Welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of January 1st, 2020. I am your host, Sean Higgins, alongside Ski Racing's Mackenzie Moran. And if you enjoy listening to Tips and Tales, we kindly ask that you please rate and review the show on your preferred listening platform. Tips and Tales is available for listening for free on virtually all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plain and simple, rating and reviewing the show is the easiest and best way to get tips and tales in front of new people, expanding our audience, and helping expose more people to the sport we all know and love. On today's show, Mackenzie and I will be breaking down last weekend's exciting World Cup action in Lienz and Bormio, as well as taking a brief look ahead to this weekend's racing with both the men and women kicking off 2020 with the now-classic Snow Queen Trophy Slalom in Zagreb, Croatia. All right, Mackenzie, so before we jump into today's show, we want to wish everyone listening a happy new year. We hope your 2019 was filled with fast skiing, and uh, hope your 2020 is even faster. Mac, what is your New Year's resolution this year? I got to be honest with you, Sean, I'm not super big on New Year's resolutions because I have a hard time setting, I don't know, I think that the whole... I'm making a list of all these things I can do to make myself better and then having a bunch of pressure to immediately start doing all of those things at once just because the new year starting is a lot. So a couple years ago, I started doing this thing where I make a goal for myself for every month and try and form a new habit because I've heard that it takes 20 to 30 days to form a new habit. And I just have one thing that I focus on every month and if it becomes overwhelming because I have other things going on I move it to the next month so that I'm not pushing putting too many too much pressure on myself to you know make these big changes or quit a bad habit or do anything extreme (laughs) as I'm heading into the new year well sounds like you put a lot of thought into that (laughs) mine is to drink more water in case anyone was wondering so uh you're definitely ahead of me on the (laughs) new year's resolutions mac yeah, don't don't get me started about New Year's resolutions. You'll have way too many truth bombs that will come at you. <laughs> so what are you wanting to see from the rest of the ski season in 2020? Gosh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing more exciting races and a continuing battle amongst certain disciplines for the Globes. It's kind of fun this year that a lot of them are still really up in the air. And last year there was a lot of consistent winning happening between strong racers. And so this year it's more of a game. It's short, some between, you know, a couple athletes, but like I still have no idea what to expect. And that gets me stoked for the rest of the racing happening this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially on the men's side, it's been a season of really exciting action. No no clear favorites have emerged yet. So uh, I want to see uh, somebody step up and really make a play for that overall title and some of those discipline titles heading into the rest of 2020. And you are actually headed over to Europe on uh, today, actually. We're recording on a Tuesday, in case anyone was, was wondering. And Mac flies to Europe for the month tomorrow, or today. Wednesday what are you looking forward to most in your trip this year gosh well last year was my first year on the world cup tour and I think that the whole experience was really new and overwhelming to me 
Um, I had to do a lot of back and forth traveling with not a lot of days in between to really collect myself and was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants the entire time. And so this year I'm really excited to have had previous experience because I feel a lot more confident about the kind of work that I want to do while I'm there and the kind of things that I want to get done and more confident that I can accomplish all of them because I know how to manage my time better. So I'm just excited to take advantage of some of my, some more opportunities this season. Perfect. So let's dive in to last weekend's World Cup action. We had the women in Lienz and the men in Bormio. Mac, let's talk Lienz first. Obviously, the huge story of that weekend is Michaela rebounding in a huge way from her lackluster performance in Courchevel the other week. Mac, you were covering the race, and man, talk about excitement. It was um, it was pretty emotional, I would have to say. I could feel what was happening even though I wasn't physically present there. And I haven't had that experience a lot with um, some of the other races that I've seen. Um, because a lot of media outlets, I feel like, were talking about Michaela's racing and saying that she had a comeback this past weekend. And the interesting thing to like think about in that term or in that perspective is that she never really left. She just had one bad race, but we're so used to seeing her perform and execute every single time that having one bad race is not something that anybody really knows how to swallow. And I think that she's also gotten to the point where she doesn't know how to, or hadn't had to deal with that in a really long time, especially after the success of last season. And her interviews that she gave in her after the race were just really insightful and gave me a lot of perspective about how she's been feeling coming into this season after having a near perfect season last year. And she was a little bit more vulnerable and expressing that while she tries really hard not to have all of these expectations on for herself, she does in some sense have this little voice in her head that tells her that she's failing because she's not performing to the same level that she was last year. And she's not having a bad season, but in comparison to what she did last year, it may look a little bit more lackluster. And I think as an athlete and as a young woman, she's going through this process of trying to learn how to manage these expectations and continue to perform and do the kind of skiing that she wants to do and not put so much pressure on herself to be perfect every time. Yeah, I agree. I think that lesson that Michaela learned over the last couple of weeks isn't necessarily unique to her in any sense either. I think a lot of these superstar athletes in individual sports go through that same uh, progression after a record-breaking season, I think, to, to kind of bridge bridge between two sports. In, in golf, for example, I think a few years ago when Jordan Spieth won two out of four majors and, and won the PGA Championship, uh, I think 
someone asked Rory McIlroy, who did almost the same thing a couple of years earlier, like, what should Jordan expect going into next year? And he was very frank and he said, prepare to be disappointed because your expectations are going to be through the roof. And it's just unrealistic to expect that level of competition or that level of performance again for a second year in a row. And I think it was an important lesson for her to learn and an important uh, moment in her career to work through. And an, uh, an interesting little tidbit I learned while I was in Courchevel was, so Michaela and Roger Federer are actually both Barilla-sponsored athletes, and they were at a sponsor event um, over the summer. And Roger gave her a very telling piece of advice. He said, I wish I celebrated my wins more because you never know when you're you're never going to win again. And I think for the first time in her career, whether um, it was a, a realistic thought or not, she was kind of faced with that um, that realization that success isn't guaranteed and uh, there will be a day where she will struggle to be in the top 15. Um, hopefully no, no time soon, obviously. We hope Michaela keeps going for, for years to come, but um, I think it's just part of her progression and part of her evolution as an athlete. And I think she will be even stronger because of it going forward. Yeah, exactly. I think that while the lesson was a hard pill to swallow, it just her prowess as an athlete, it just her ability to turn that around. I mean, like Corteval was only a week ago, really and or a little over a week ago now but it wasn't that long ago and she went through this entire process within a week which isn't really that long um that long of a time to have a break or that much time to sit and reflect and grow and she just put everything she had into training and learning and doing her best to try and follow her coach's advice and let the whole situation go and to her point she was like I can't let this go like I need to make this better because I don't want to experience the same kind of pain again and the whole everything she did was so that she could come back in the ends and be better and just ski better and she turned that around so quickly which I think is incredibly impressive and I think that's why in her giant slalom win you could just see her in the finish you know letting all of that weight go yeah absolutely so was there anything else about that GS day that that uh stood out to you obviously Michaela kind of dominated the uh the headlines that day but at least for me looking at at the timing and, and seeing some of the highlights I thought Marta Vecino rebounded very well after I know she was a little disappointed to get bumped off the podium in Courchevel but to see her come back finish in second place was great and then Federica Brignone a little bit of disappointment in the finish after her second run but she still has the red bib in the GS standings she does she is it's pretty close between her and Michaela right now but um, I think that the performances we, again, have been seeing from the Italians have been incredibly consistent and impressive across the board, especially from Bassino, who is new to um, consistent World Cup podiums. And it's exciting to me to see more athletes out there that are continuing to push themselves and push to be better and make room on the podium for new names. Because I do feel like in this sport, sometimes we 
end up seeing consistently the same guys or gals on the podium each weekend. And any kind of, I'm a big fan of the quote unquote underdog. So anytime I can see anybody new step up and put something put something out there that we haven't seen before, I get really excited for the sport and for them. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the slalom day. Obviously, Michaela won her second race in a row, swept the weekend. But the surprise for me of that race was Michelle Guzine getting on the podium for the first time in slalom. Yeah, she has now proved herself to be um, a proficient multidiscipline athlete. And she, after the race, she was talking about how she came into this season with a new set of goals to be to podium in these technical disciplines because typically she podiums in speed events. She has a podium in a downhill. She has a podium in super G. She has a podium in Alpine combined. She has Olympic gold medal in Alpine combined. And she has this newfound fire, I think, to continue pushing herself as an athlete. I think after last season when she took some time off to, recollect her mind and some small in and work out some small injuries and so for her to get a podium in slalom is huge because her results in gs have actually been quite good this season and that has been her best result in slalom by far um there wasn't a lot of racing that indicated that she would end up on the podium in slalom anytime soon so that was a pleasant surprise for her and for her team who has been struggling to get somebody on the the Swiss women have been struggling to get more athletes to show in slalom I think than in other disciplines absolutely and I think it was good to see Petra Volova get back on a slalom podium we know we've been kind of following her leg injury a bit the kind of the chronic pain in her shins over the course of the season and uh we always know she's wanting to beat Michaela, but it must have felt felt pretty good to get back on the podium in slalom in that second place. Petra, after that race, I think was disappointed that she didn't win because she skied so, so well. Her second round, she was absolutely charging, and it looked incredibly fast. And watching it, I had a hard time seeing Michaela pull off the – win by the margin that she did um and even Schifrin in the post-race interview said you know like I was watching her run and I didn't I knew it was going to be really close um and so I think Petra was disappointed you know and it continues to be disappointed when she ends up in second she just wants that win more than she wants anything and that's going to keep pushing her to be faster and kind of ignore that pain that she may feel and push for the rest of the season, which is exciting because who knows what we'll see from her. Absolutely. And I think another couple standout performances to me were the Canadians, Lawrence St. Germain, Aaron Melzinski, were ninth and 12th. I know Aaron is very honest on social media about kind of her struggles throughout the season. And uh, I know a solid result was a, a welcome end of 2019 for her. So, Sean, um, I didn't get to catch any of the Bormio downhill I did watch the Alpine combined but um tell me a little bit about standout performances during the downhill that you saw that day 
Yeah. So when we're talking about Bormio, you know, Doug and I talked about this a little bit last week on the show, but just how demanding and in your face that hill is. The star of the weekend is really that track. I mean, you have to be so strong, so technically sound to come out and perform on that hill. And I think that really showed in the results, um, especially in the downhills. We uh, saw Dominic Paris just dominate the the entire weekend as far as the, the speed events are concerned. He won both downhills and uh, nearly won the, sl- uh, the uh, Super G portion of the combined. And he really showed that he's the man to beat, not just in Bormio, but I think in the downhill standings this year. He had an off race in Beaver Creek. But, uh, man, Dom Paris, they call him the mayor of Bormio for a reason. He's won there five downhills and, and six races in total in his career, which is a record. Yeah, that's huge for him. And it's also huge because with that, Paris now leads the downhill standings. Yeah, he does. I know that is his big, big target this year. I know he was, uh, Made a valiant effort to unseat Bayat Foyt's last season with that late season push, but Foyt's did come out on top in the in the downhill season standings. But uh, to Paris be, to be back in the driver's seat after that disappointing Beaver Creek result definitely plays to his favor and his momentum heading into the classics. I think Paris's second most dominant venue besides Bormio is Kitzbühel. He's won there twice already, um, so definitely he's going to be a favorite heading into that race. But uh, on the other side, Foyt's is uh, the man to beat in Vengen. So it's going to be a really exciting rest of the downhill season. What exactly is going on with Foyce's hand? Yeah, so we think we mentioned last week that he broke a bone in his hand um, in the Val Gardena Super G. Didn't require surgery, but he was in a splint all week in Bormio. And I think that was almost, almost more impressive than than uh paris's two wins was foyt's getting on the podium twice with that broken hand he couldn't really push out of the start so he'd lose time in the first interval but he matched paris almost turn for turn the rest of the the course in both those downhills so uh even with a broken hand Foyce is going nowhere in the in the race for that downhill globe so what other surprises did you notice in the downhill if any I think the big surprise came on day two when uh, Switzerland's Urs Kreenbuehl got his way onto the podium. I think he surprised everyone, including himself. I mean, his previous best in World Cup came the day before when he was 13th. So uh, to jump from 13th to your world, first World Cup podium, that's that's pretty impressive, especially on a track as demanding as Bormio. And I think I asked Doug last week if we could see some surprise on the podium, and he said no. So uh, props to Urs for for uh, proving the experts wrong. <laughs> All right, so you ready to move on to Alpine combined? Um, I actually do want to talk about Mr. Ryan Cochran Siegel as well. Oh, how could we forget Ryan Cochran Siegel? Ryan went back-to-back 11th place finishes in both the downhills, which was particularly impressive given that he took a serious tumble in the training run earlier in the week. I saw he posted a little uh, little snippet on social media, and it was, was nothing to shake your head at. He hit the net pretty dang hard. Um, so to see him rebound and, and take that confidence, or not lose any confidence, I should say, heading into those race days and rely on his strong skiing really speaks to, uh, I think, 
the the mental strength he has this season i think we've talked about on the podcast in the past and he's admitted in interviews how hard he is on himself and when things start going a little bit not his way he can get really hard on himself and just pull himself down even more and i think to see him um really turn that around this season has been awesome to see yeah i mean he has it in him i think if he can quiet those nerves and this year it really looks like he's been able to take control of those um those anxious emotions and translate it into some really great skiing and he's riding a great wave right now yeah absolutely and that being said the rest of the american team we had some strong results travis ganong led the the americans in the first downhill really conquered some demons he'd been wrestling with for the last two years in borneo he had a season ending injury two years ago and a near season ending ending injury last year here so to see him rebound in that first race and slide into the top 10 and really kind of come out on top um for him was really great but on the flip side the the next day he really really underperformed he finished near dead last which was was really surprising to me he just didn't have that same fight didn't have that same fire going into the next downhill day so he'll definitely be looking to rebound um come vengan and then bryce bennett we're hearing he was dealing with a little bit of sickness uh in borneo so we'll see if he can shake that off and, and go into vengan i know his girlfriend made the trip to uh, Europe t- uh, to spend New Year's and a little bit of January with him. So hopefully he can turn things around. Uh, we know Bennett has the ability to uh, finish the season strong. He was fourth in Vengen last year and uh, ended the season as the top-ranked American in downhill. So definitely looking to see Bryce rebound in the next few weeks. So looking at the new combined format, you talked a little bit about this in your in your story but um, you mentioned that there was a lot of mixed feedback from the athletes after the race. What were your main takeaways? Yeah, so I think Fis has been trying to figure out how to best do combined for almost since the event existed way, way back decades ago. Um, I mean, we've gone through so many iterations of of the event i think in the last 10 years we've gone from two slalom runs to one slalom run we've switched to focusing on a super g run instead of a downhill and now this year they're deciding to not flip the top 30 going into the slalom run so it's still seated by how you finish in in the super g or the speed portion but instead of the winner of the speed run going 30th they now go first and that debuted on sunday in borneo and that got a lot of mixed reviews i think speed skiers are, are very in favorite for obvious reasons because they had a clean course uh in the slalom and the the slalom skiers are a little more unsure about it because they are obviously not going to be as strong in super g and have to deal with a chewed up course in the slalom which doesn't allow them to really make big jumps in the standings but from a, a spectating perspective i actually didn't hate it i thought um so Kilde ran first. He won the Super G portion, Alexander Amont Kilde. And it was actually a, a competent slalom skier for uh, a speed-focused athlete. So he set the early pace, and then everyone was chasing him, which I thought was an interesting dynamic to have the leader in the finish with the, the fastest time right off the right off the bat, and then everyone chasing that. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist. But on the flip side of that... Unless it's a strong slalom skier, I mean, it's 
I mean, I don't think anybody is a fan of watching a big muscly downhiller tiptoe their way down an icy solemn course. It's just hard on the eyes. So I think there are some kinks that need to be to be worked out. I think Kilda had an interesting uh, quote in his press conference where it was like, maybe it should be a shorter speed run and a shorter uh, slalom just so times are a little bit tighter and uh, those big, big gaps that you see in slalom aren't so uh, magnified. But I think, I don't know, a lot of people have opinions on combined. I don't hate it, but it's definitely my uh, not my favorite event to watch. Yeah, and as of as one of the more controversial events, I think it's a little bit less pretty than say like a parallel event. But you know, Fis is at least trying to do something a little bit different and test out a way that they can make that race better before you know they move to take it off the schedule so maybe we'll see some different results come out of combined and we haven't seen a women's combined race yet and who knows how that will go yeah absolutely i think we'll need to to see the rest of the season i think there's one more men's combined as well um but yeah I thought it was good. I think Pensero was a, a, a worthy winner. He clearly had uh, has the speed chops and the slalom chops to be, I think he has been the best combined skier in the world, no doubt, over the past handful of years. And he definitely showed that in Bormio. But um, one subtractor from that new format is if you do have a guy like Alexi Pensero, who's a competent speed skier and a world-class slalom skier, the race could be over almost immediately and could be quite unexciting for people to watch after the first handful of guys. Um, we saw that a little bit. I think uh, Pentro ran 12 in the slalom run, and the race was pretty much over after that. But, uh, hey, we got the rest of the season to go. We'll see how it shakes out and if uh, Fist makes any more changes in the off season. So after Bormio, we now have Kilda leading the overall standings, which is a bit of a surprise. Sean, you took a look at speed skiers having the potential to win the overall and what did you find in your research yeah so i wrote about this for a piece that was published earlier this week on skiracing.com everyone should go read it doing a little personal log rolling for myself but uh i've actually been thinking about this for a while now um i think a lot of the preseason focus for this overall race was on Alexi Pentro and Henrik Christofferson. And I was never convinced that that was particularly warranted. I definitely think they were the favorites, but I think people were kind of, kind of discounting the chances of a, of a more speed focused skier to have make a real play at that overall title. And I think so far this season, we've seen that play out um, almost exactly the way I was thinking. We have Alexander Kilde leading the overall right now. It's only a few points ahead of Dom Paris, which is only a few points ahead of Alexi Pentreau. But uh, I think it shows that there is an opportunity there for a speed-focused athlete like Kilda, who has won and has the potential to win in every any given weekend in downhill and Super G, has the potential to get on the podium and combined and can really surprise people in GS. I think he was fourth or fifth in Alta Badia, which is amazing for him. Um, he's an incredibly strong technical skier. I think he was world junior champion in giant slalom back in his junior racing days. So 
someone like him, if he can keep the ball rolling the way he has so far this season and either some of those more tech-focused skiers like uh, Christofferson and Pentro can't get on a roll and can't get three or four victories in a row in slalom and GS, I think there's a real chance we could see someone like Kilda or Paris steal the show and and take that overall title come March. But uh, obviously, a lot of racing left to go. If you want to hear the rest of my thoughts, head over to SkiRacing.com and read uh, Can a Speed Skier Win an Overall Title? But uh, yeah, let's talk about Zagreb. Zagreb. So you've been there before. I'm heading there this weekend, and I have never been. So, Sean, you know the course from actually having gotten to ski it during inspection. Talk to me about what we can expect of that this weekend. Yeah, Zagreb is a very interesting venue on the World Cup. Croatia isn't a place many people think of when you think of going skiing, but yes, Outside of Zagreb, Croatia, there is a small ski hill called Sleme, which is actually the the venue that they host the World Cup slalom on. Um, It's a cool hill. It's got a lot of character to it. Um, It's fairly flat for the first handful of gates out of the start, and you tip over onto the pitch um, for maybe about 10, 15 gates, and then it starts to flatten out a bit in the middle Um, which is kind of a drag race. A lot of guys really, a lot of guys and girls really push it through that middle section. And then it transitions onto a pretty steep, demanding finishing pitch. And I think the trap that a lot of racers, especially younger racers, get into their first few times on that hill is how deceivingly easy it looks. There's nothing too complicated about it at first glance, but those really subtle changes in terrain goes from flat to steep to flat to steep. Um can really catch racers off guard really easily. And depending on the conditions, if the snow is good and hard and consistent, the, the racing can be so tight. I think I, I forget what year it was exactly, but I think it was a men's race where first to 30th was just over a second. And that's almost unheard of, um, to have racing that tight. So if the snow is good, it's going to be a drag race in Zagreb. You'll enjoy it there. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I love seeing a lot of new names and faces breaking into those top spots. And this weekend, I'm especially excited to continue watching this fight between Michaela and Petra going down in Zagreb. And I'm sure that there will be a lot of Petra Volhova fans present at this race this weekend. And they'll be coming out in full force, loud and proud. And Wendy Holdner, were you expecting to see anything special out of her this weekend? Um, I think I was kind of expecting a little more out of her in, in Lienz, if I was being totally honest. I know she was riding an extreme high after her first GS podium in Courchevel, and for her to not get on the podium in, in Lienz must have been a bit of a disappointment for her. Um, but I think Zagreb plays into her into her advantages a little bit. I think she's got the style. Um, she's very aggressive. And I think I think we talked, depending on the set and depending on the conditions, that could be really advantageous at a place like Zagreb. Um, and obviously, I think we've talked about this before, when the... She's she's Jonesing for a World Cup win in slalom. So um, 
I wouldn't count her out. I think the favorite is definitely Michaela, and I would say Petra would be the second favorite if something happens to Michaela, but don't count out Wendy Holdner in Zagreb. No, we shall not count out Wendy Holdner in Zagreb. And you know what, Sean? I want to touch a little bit on what exactly is going on with Paula Moldsan. I was a little disappointed to see her ski out so early in Lienz. And I know that she's been dealing with some back issues um, and some nerve issues after skiing out in Killington earlier on in the season. But I was really hoping to see her pull out or at least finish her first run um, in the season thus far. And I think that She's been struggling a little bit more than I expected her to. What, um, What's your opinion on where Paula's at? Yeah, I think we saw her go out in Killington, which was unfortunate because we know she has the speed to be uh, top 15, if not top five, uh, five skier in, in slalom on a, on a really great day for her. And I think more than anything, back injuries can be really finicky. They can flare up at, at different times. Uh and, and can really be unpredictable. And I think there's a, a mental aspect to that that really plays against an athlete as well. Every time you kick out of the starting gate, you feel good, but you're like, oh, man, is my back going to start going out on me halfway down this course, or am I going to be able to get to the finish? And um, I got to think that's – whether consciously or subconsciously, that thinking is maybe in the back of Paula's mind right now. But um, she's got her boyfriend with her on tour. We, she's talked about how important he is to her success. I think she's got a great support system around her, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of Paula in the second half of the season, and I think uh, Zagreb's a, a special venue for her. She had an amazing first run there um, a couple years ago, I think last year maybe, but uh, she's got history on that hill. She's performed there before, and uh, I think she's going to be looking to perform once again this year. I agree. She did have one of her best races of the season last year in Zagreb. And I bet that some time off, you know, during the holidays and getting to have some time with her boyfriend and um, a little bit of a mental break, I think, would be helpful for her coming into this weekend. So hopefully we can see some positive results from Paula moving forward and also, hopefully, we can start seeing some other Americans begin to punch into the top 30 in these technical races. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've seen Nino O'Brien be in there a few races this season. I hear some of the other racers like Katie Hensian skiing quite fast in slalom as well. So uh, we'll see what the rest of these Americans can do. So in terms of the men this weekend, um, what are you looking forward to and the slalom. I know that we've seen some consistent results from Christofferson going back and forth with um, Alexi Pontero, but like also they have not been consistent this season. <laughs> they have had some pretty bad races. They've also had some great races. So Sean, what exactly are you expecting to see this weekend knowing what that course has in store for them? Yeah. So for Zagreb men, my big focus is going to be on Clement Noel and whether he can find that fire from a, a disappointing DNF in, in Val d'Isere at a home race and he can turn that into another strong performance in Zagreb. I think 
pure speed, I think he may be the fastest guy in World Cup slalom right now. Um, I think Christofferson is a very close second. So I think it'll be a pretty epic showdown between Christofferson and Noel for that top spot on the podium. I would not be surprised if Alessi Pentero finds his way onto the podium as well in Zagreb. I think it's a hill that suits his style. Um, but I mean, I think uh, we talked about this week after week, but there are no guarantees on the men in, in any discipline. Um, I think there are a handful of favorites in each event, but you never really know going in. You can kind of, with, with Hersher gone, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, which I actually really enjoy, and it makes makes ski racing so much more exciting to watch for me, not knowing. Um, but I think Noel, Christofferson, Pensero will be the big three names. And uh, But any of those guys in the top seven, you have Ramon Zenhuizen, uh, Daniel Yule, two Swiss men who have won World Cups, been on the podium multiple times, and definitely, definitely have the talent to uh, climb the top step of that podium. But outside of that, poof, man, it's, it's going to be a competitive race. And I think a lot of uh, attention will be paid to Mr. Luke Winners himself if he can uh, go back-to-back incredible performances. I'm not necessarily expecting him to uh, come down in second place after the first run again, but uh, I think he showed the world that he's back and, and, and he can play in slalom. So... I'm expecting another solid result in the points from Luke Winters, and, and hopefully we'll have some more Americans in there as well. I'm hearing rumors of maybe uh, River Radimus getting a start in Zagreb and maybe one more other. They haven't announced the starters yet as of uh, when we're recording, but uh, I'm hearing the American boys are skiing quite fast in slalom, and Luke is not the only guy who can make uh, make some waves this weekend. Yeah, and he put in the work in Valazare to open up another spot for one of his teammates to join him. So yeah, like you were saying, we've been hearing a lot about some fast skiing coming out of those guys and they're starting to get the opportunities to be able to show their talent on the world cup. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of opportunities in January for slaloms. January is known as slalom month. So, uh, it's going to be an exciting month. Let's see some, uh, some American fireworks. Yes, let's follow up another. <laughs> December was a pretty exciting month, I think, for the Americans. So let's see if we can keep the ball rolling. Absolutely, absolutely. All righty, well, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year once again, and we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>